if you're inventive and you're really hardworking, if you increase your productivity, then your living standard raises faster. Yeah. You're producing more, you can do more transactions. People who are complacent, who are lazy, or maybe even just have cognitive disabilities, maybe there's a slower learning curve, that will cause them to not increase in productivity at the same pace. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration, so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson, and on this episode of Getting Money Right, we're continuing our discussion about economics. How's the economy? How's it impacting us personally? And this is an episode that's part of a larger series that we're doing that's really going to walk through some of the basics of the economy, what makes it work, how does it personally affect us day to day? Are there things that we're doing that are either helping or harming the economy? I think that's something we all need to know. Leo, we all affect the economy, Mm -hmm. and the economy affects all of us. That's right. And so it's important to understand how it all works, how much the economy affects us, and how much we individually affect the economy. What are the basic building blocks? And so when we talk about economics, if you wanted to grab kind of a basic definition, you would say that it is the branch of knowledge, all the knowledge, concerned with the production, consumption, consumption of goods and services, and the transfer of wealth. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about production, we're going to talk about consuming, we're going to talk about goods and services, we're digging into even discussions around wealth and even transferring wealth and what does that look like. Mm -hmm. And so last week or last episode, we really dug into transactions as the building block of the economy, two people wanting to exchange goods and buying and selling and that there's cash, but there's also a credit market. Mm -hmm. And we talked about credit last week. And then we talked about the market as a whole, all the buyers and sellers that are making transactions. And we have the whole, the giant market of the country, uh, but then there's little smaller markets. Mm -hmm. There's markets around wheat and cars and, you know, there's a stock market. Uh, You know, every every little thing that I go buy gas, there is a market that kind of dictates what's happening in oil and gas. There are markets all across the economy. And a lot of this is affected by government spending. Yep. And we have a great system of checks and balances overall. We have the federal government uh, that actually is operating in the congressional side, the lawmaking side. You have the Senate, you have the House, you have the executive branch. So you have the, the actual policy side. But then you have the Federal Reserve, the Fed, which mm-hmm. is the central bank of the country. And this central bank has a huge influence on how much credit is being put out into the economy, how much spending is happening because of that credit. And so there's supposed to be a balance. They're supposed to be kind of separated so they don't influence each other too much. But of course, they're talking, trying to figure out together what the best policies are. And then we kind of really landed last week or last episode with a discussion on credit. Mm -hmm. And the fact that borrowing and lending actually drives our economy more than we expect, more than you might have ever thought. And we'll talk more about this today, but there's actual currency in the country, $3 trillion, but then there's $50 trillion yeah. of credit that's been mm-hmm. extended and right. lended in the country. So, I mean, 16 times as much of our actual economic output um, movement of money is through credit yeah. than is through actual currency. 
that's pretty staggering. Yeah, exactly. And, and our economy is different today than it was, let's say, even 100 years ago because of borrowing, because of credit being available. And we started last episode, we're talking about the three main forces that drive our economy. Number one being productivity, uh, the productivity growth, actually. And then there's a short-term debt cycle and a long-term debt cycle. Mm -hmm. We touched on credit last episode because we wanted to lay down kind of an understanding of what credit is, how it works, just so that we're all talking from the same perspective. Now, what we want to do is start really digging into each one of these forces, productivity growth, and hopefully this episode, we can touch on both productivity growth and short-term debt cycle and how that impacts us. So let's start talking about productivity growth. What oh, does it mean? Great. And why is it really the number one driver of our economy? <laughs> yeah, well, we talked about how the basic, basic building block of the economy, of the market, are transactions. And so in a transaction, you have to give something to get something. Right. Uh, Leo, if I want to buy the microphone from you, I have to give you something. And so if it comes down to how much can you give depends on how much you can get. Uh, how much you can get depends on how much you personally can produce in the economy. How That's much right. How much can you serve the economy overall where you increase in income? What's your production rate will affect how much you can transact with somebody else. Yeah. And so if you're inventive and you're really hardworking, if you increase your productivity, then your living standard raises faster. Yeah. You're producing more, you can do more transactions. People who are complacent, who are lazy, or maybe even just have cognitive disabilities, maybe mm -hmm. there's a slower learning curve, that will cause them to not increase in productivity at the same pace, or potentially not increase in productivity at the same pace. Yeah. A, a lot of this comes down to the overall economy, comes down to how much are we producing all together. And productivity growth really matters. It does matter because at the end of the day, work is what's going to produce for you an income. If mm -hmm. we just boil it down to the basics, when I work, I can earn an income. That income can buy me the basic needs that I need to feed myself and my family. The harder I work, the more potential income I can make. But that's limited, right? I only have so many hours in the day. I can only work so much. And a lot of my labor is going to be dependent on how much can I earn per hour, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we all know our income is based primarily on 40 hours a week yep. and you get so much per hour. And the idea is that if you make more money, the way to do that is maybe you get better education. You have more that you're going yes. to earn per hour. So when I first started working, my first job was $3.25 per hour. So I could make maybe $150 to $250 per month based on the hours that I could work while I was still in school. Later, when I got out of school, I was making like eight fifty per mm -hmm. hour. And then after that, when I got my education done and got into the aircraft maintenance, my career, uh, which is what I used to do, then I was making, I think I started with like $15. And then from there, I went up all the way up to almost 35 by the time I left that industry. So every time my increase in pay per hour went up, I earned more money. Yep. And I still worked, let's say, 40 hours per week. But I also had the opportunity, and I did this, to work overtime mm -hmm. or to take an additional job, do some side work, which I did. And every time I worked, the harder I worked, the more money I made, which then opened up the ability for my wife and I to buy a house, to drive better vehicles, to maybe buy better food. So our standard of living increased as we worked harder and we made more money. Mm -hmm. So productivity mattered to us personally, but it also mattered in the economy, because if I am, let's say, one of 10 million people that are producing and working hard and working extra, 
then we're producing more than just a person who's taking a job for $10 an hour. Right. Right? Because you have an option. You can work for $10 an hour, or you can work your way up through education, through skill building, through crawling your way up, so to speak, until you're making $35, $40 an hour. And there's a big difference between the two. And it's still 40 hours. Yeah. You know? So if I make $35 an hour or $10 an hour, it's going to be a totally different lifestyle. I am producing more and putting more into the economy because I have more money to spend. Mm -hmm. And remember, my spending is somebody's earning yes so when i have more to spend somebody has the ability to earn more and that just plays out over and over and over again through productivity yeah your example of your increase in hourly wage over time and the skills that you added in it's the perfect example because one of the biggest ways that we measure productivity in the country is through labor Mm -hmm. and how how effective is our labor And how do we increase the effectiveness of our labor? Like uh, we get a little bit better every year Mm -hmm. as a country in how quickly we produce and how much we produce, the quantity, the quality. So let's say that I take a piece of wood and I spend one hour of labor carving it out and I create a toy that's worth 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I've, I've just earned $10 for my hour of labor. Let's say I found the wood for free, you know, in the woods. Yeah. So maybe maybe I actually took a little bit of time to go find that wood. So maybe that decreases my hourly rate, right? right. But, but let's say I have a piece of wood, one hour of labor, I create one toy, it's $10. I've just earned $10 for that hour of labor. But let's say I get a new tool that allows me to create three toys in that same one hour. Mm-hmm. And the wood, let's say, it still stays, stays constant. Now I've earned $30 in an hour versus 10. Right. That $30 becomes $30 of income for somebody else because I'm going to now spend that to take care of my family or to buy things that I want. Mm-hmm. So now another person is going to increase by $30 instead of just the $10 that I was spending. This is how our spending, our increase it all affects the greater economy and how we work together, but it starts with personal productivity. Mm-hmm. And and when we measure the aggregate or the total, you know, product of the country, it's called the gross domestic product. What is what is what are we completely as a full country producing and creating across the course of a year? And GDP is a very simple way to talk about the overall production. Yep. Exactly. Of the economy. It's the gross domestic product. What is our production as a country? And as we increase productivity, our economy increases. Yes. That's that's a, the exact byproduct of more work and more productivity equals an improved economy. Mm-hmm. Because just like you said, and like I said, when you're working and making more, you have more to spend. And if that collectively happens across you know, like 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 million workers... Yes. That, that's going to be a better economy than everybody working at a lower wage or working less. That's why when you have unemployment, it always affects the economy in a negative way. It's not that people are unemployed. It's that there are a certain amount of people that are not producing. Right. And therefore, because they're not producing, they're not creating the ability for other people to earn income from them, right? Because their spending is the other person's income. So now you're taking a swat of people that are part of that GDP mm-hmm. equation, and you're saying these you know, 3 million people are not going to produce in the next six months. And what makes it even worse is that, remember, the government is the biggest spender. Yep. And when people are unemployed, the government steps in with unemployment insurance. So the government now has to pay them 
for their unemployment, right? right in right. order for them to have a livelihood to be able to at least take care of the basics. Mm-hmm. So it has negative impact on both ends. One, the government has to spend more money on these programs to keep these people taken care of right. while they're not producing. Yeah. So it's a double whammy. This is where you get a liberal and a conservative view is you would look at the people that are unemployed and say, okay, what is it going to take to get them back employed? Right. Let's take care of them in the interim so that their health is still good, their education is still strong, so they can get back into the economy. Right. And then on the flip side, you've got a more conservative view that's saying, okay, these people are unproductive. It's time for them to increase their skills. It's time for them to get back to work. And and there's there's a little bit of truth in both. Yeah. And so you really have to figure out that balance. And that's where it all gets very tricky. That's where it can get very political on different yeah. things. Yeah, that's where the big debates come in. Yes. So we're not going to go there right now. But, but just general ways that you personally can increase your productivity which will improve your family dynamics, your standard of living, your personal economy, your personal economy, and then ways that we as a country can increase our overall productivity. One, investment in just what we would call physical capital, machinery, equipment, buildings. If you invest in a tool that helps you produce more, I have a laptop. Or someone else to produce more. Or somebody else to produce more. I've got a laptop that allows me to get a lot more done mm-hmm. a lot more quickly. Right. Uh, and in that laptop, I used email for years and years and years. And then somebody created a tool called Slack. And the company that I work for, or the church that I work for, has has said, hey, this this communication tool is actually better than the previous communication tool because it's we can productive. communicate. It's more productive. <laughs> now, I, yeah. personally, I might argue that with Slack <laughs> yeah, and email, but that's a, that's a separate note. That's a totally separate <laughs> note. But but this new tool, so I have, I have a physical good. I have my actual computer. And then there's this technology that came out called Slack that allows me to message people even faster to be more connected. And so every, every technological advance, mm-hmm. every physical machinery or equipment advance, uh, when I learned new skills, it took me a while to switch from email over to Slack. I had to learn some new skills. I had right. to learn how the software worked. Same when I got my first iPhone. Like I'm like, how does this work? I increased my skills. Mm-hmm. I learned PowerPoint. I learned Word. I learned Excel, which allows me to communicate better, faster, cleaner at work, which allows me to produce more at the end of the day. All of these different things. Uh, there's even just the notion that a competitor could come in and, and compete with a company might cause that company to produce more because they have to get more efficient. They have to innovate on mm-hmm. their policies and mm-hmm. their procedures. So competition sometimes actually helps increase productivity for the entire economy. Yep. All of these different things come together. And you can think about this for yourself as well. I was watching a documentary about Michael Jordan playing basketball and the competition is what drove him to be even better. Yeah. <laughs> and then as he produced more, more fans want to come out and buy tickets and more and people want to endorse him with products. Like it's just interesting. He actually got better based on competition. Mm-hmm. But also he practiced, he increased his skills. You know, he he used everything at his disposal. So what are you doing to use machinery to your disposal to to gain new skills in education? Not that you have to go find somebody to compete with, but sometimes a little bit of competitive um, back and forth will cause you to go a little bit further, a little bit faster. I would say iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. So think about this in your personal life, but also think about it, how it affects the entire economy. Yeah, I think this is such a crucial point that we all need to understand because it's so easy, especially in this politically charged climate, to say, there's nothing I can do, right? It's up to Mm -hmm. someone else. It's 
it's the government policy, it's the president, it's the, you know, the Congress or the Senate that are creating or taking away opportunities mm -hmm. that I should have. There's some truth to that, right? I mean, the government can do certain things to impact our lives, both in a positive or in a negative way. However, productivity is so much dependent on just your attitude and your ability to just say, you know what? As it comes to just my ability, right. I have a lot of control on what I can do. Mm -hmm. As long as you're physically able and you're an intelligent person, there's really not a lot of limit to what you can do. You can consistently increase your productivity over time. I'd like to think that since I was you know, 20 years old and came out of college and got my first job to today, that I've been more productive over time. Mm -hmm. You know, now there's been seasons where I was laid off and had to regroup and had to figure out how to how to reinvent myself, so to speak. And I've done that. So there's always dips, just like the economy has cycles. Sometimes our personal economy has cycles. However, as far as I'm concerned, personally, I can I can attest to this, that to the degree that I worked, I was able to produce. Yes. Right. The harder I worked, the more I was able to produce. And I think that's something that our country needs to hear we are in charge of our own production no one can tell me whether i can get up at four or five o'clock in the morning i can do that simply <laughs> on my own oh that's good and and yes there are things that are outside of my control but i think we give too much time and energy to that kind of conversation and to that topic or to even that influence to say you know we listen to the wrong people that say you know it's not up to you you you're doing everything you can when you and i know that we could always do better and i'm not saying that you're not doing well but you could always do better yes so always start I, this is just me personally saying i always start with me if i can do more then i'm gonna do more nothing can stop you from that look at very successful people they will tell you over and over and over again you can have a lot of opportunities, you can have a lot of things at your disposal, but nothing will make you more successful than just plain hard work. You cannot oh, take the work good. out of it. Nothing is just going to come to you. Yep. Please study the successful people that are out there in social media today that are, and, and you're gonna find that running theme across all of it. Hard work always pays off. Now, I'm not saying you should always work hard. Sometimes you have to work smart. But that also takes a lot of hard work yeah. to get to the place where you're no longer working hard, you're working smart. Maybe you're employing people to do the things that you used to do. Mm -hmm. That's going to take work for you to get to that point where you can actually hire someone to do the work that you used to do, the manual labor you used to do, so you can work on creative ideas and new things Innovation. that you can do. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so it's in our hands. And, and again, going back to the economy topic or what we're talking about today is that that is the number one force that drives the economy. Mm -hmm. Without productivity, everything else falls apart. Mm -hmm. That is the number one thing that we can do to improve the economy. And all of us can contribute to that in a positive way. Yeah, every, every single person does contribute and every single person has the greatest impact on their own life. Yes. Uh, the economy does affect you. The government policies do affect you, but you have the greatest impact on your own life. And it's why we did episode 28 for Getting Money Right, where we talked about getting hired and landing your next job. Uh, we did episode 45, where we talked about unleashing your superpower and learning persuasion and communication so you can go out and increase and earn and sell other people on your skills and experience. Mm -hmm. uh, we had Chris Massimo on, and we did RAMP. We talked about this big system for lifelong success, dealing with some of these things. And that was episode 101 and 102. So productivity is extremely important on the aggregate, the big economy, but it's even more important in my mind personally. Mm -hmm. 
And so when you think about productivity, productivity, it matters the most in the long run. Yeah, in reference to the economy. In reference to the economy, yes. 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 Um, Without productivity, everything else falls apart. Mm -hmm. If you're not producing, you're not transacting, the economy falls apart. Uh, Working harder and smarter will always improve the economy and your own personal experience. Mm -hmm. Now, that's the long run productivity and it's slow productivity grows slowly think about how much better you are at your job today than you were last year yeah you may be 10 percent better you may be 20 percent better but as the overall economy most people it kind of grows at about a four percent rate give or take um overall our productivity grows sometimes faster in different markets sometimes slower in different markets but overall we are growing every year but What matters more in the short run of the overall economy Mm -hmm. is actually credit. So productivity is this long line of growth, but credit, we talked about this, when you have an income, you can choose to borrow and expand your spending power. And so let's look at this short run example because credit and debt is what creates these cycles that go up and down across the long run, but in a shorter time frame. And as you look at that, the productivity growth isn't fluctuating, but the use of debt, the use of credit, it is causing these huge swings because it allows people to consume more than they actually have produced. Exactly. That's the key. That's the key right <laughs> this there. This is a big thing. So really what you're doing, well, let's just go back to David's example. Let's say you're four more, 4% more productive this year than last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if all you had is 4% more money, then that's all you can spend is 4% more than you spent the year mm-hmm. before. However, if you decide to borrow, at least from an economic standpoint, it looks like you produced a ton. Right. You buy a $200,000 home and you put, let's say, 10000 down. Well, how long does it take you to make $200,000? Several years, maybe yes. three, four years. So all of a sudden, on paper, it looks like you just went through the roof with productivity, mm-hmm. right? Because you have spent way more than you made. So that's where in the short term, credit and borrowing debt makes it look like Product-wise and productivity-wise, we've like we're accelerating, and that's what makes this bell curve of productivity and economic growth. Mm-hmm. That's when we experience the upward cycle. The yes. economy's going up, the markets are going up, incomes going up, spending is going up. That's because a lot of it is driven by credit and borrowing. Yeah, we said three trillion of actual currency exactly. out there versus fifty trillion of credit. So it's just funny because we might think, oh, well, I could increase my spending by 4% this year. But when you go buy a house or a car or you borrow to start a business, your spending just dramatically increased, which increases somebody else's spending, Mm -hmm. which increases their ability to borrow, which then may increase somebody else's spending. And you have this huge upward swing. And these swings typically play out over a five to eight year cycle of it swinging up. And then swinging back down because why would it swing down? Because when you acquire the debt, you spend a lot that year. Mm -hmm. But then in the future, you've promised not to use all of your future income. To spend less. (laughs) Yeah, now you have to spend less (laughs) because you're repaying that debt. And so there is a cycle. The productivity is slow, consistent, and stretches out over a long period. Mm -hmm. These cycles of debt, when you borrow... It causes you to spend a lot more really quickly, but then you've got to pay that back in the future. And here's where it gets tricky. If you can't pay, 
then there are defaults and there are issues in the future because that dramatically decreases not only your spending, but it may decrease the lender's spending. Yeah. So these short-term swings, uh, you know, buying that $200,000 house with $10,000, they impact the economy. Mm-hmm. And you can look at the overall use of debt and see these cycles. Here's what's interesting about this. When you listen to the news, especially the economic side of the news, the financial side, and you hear that housing growth has gone up 10% or that a certain market, let's say it's the stock market, let's say it's the oil and gas market, that it's increasing, right? That there's Mm -hmm. more money being spent both in producing more and people are spending more, right? Mm -hmm. So the price of everything goes up. People are spending more money. So everything is indicating the economy is doing better. That's really what they're saying is the Mm economy is doing well because we're seeing growth. Now, that's a very interesting term, growth, because it doesn't mean productivity alone. In fact, we just said a majority of that is done to credit. So the economy is doing well because people are borrowing, people are spending. But if that's not in pace with productivity, let's say, for instance, productivity-wise, let's say the country's gone up 4%, but spending went up 20%. Mm -hmm. So you've just increased productivity on paper, economic-wise, by 16% more than it actually happened. Mm -hmm. So now what happens though, and this is the key thing that I want you guys to understand. What happens is everything looks like it's going in the right direction, but there is a point when that borrowing needs to be paid. Right. Let's say you borrowed for that house, that 200,000. Well, if it takes you 30 years to pay it back, that means you have to reduce your spending by that mortgage amount all those 30 years. So unless you make up for it somehow by either making more money working harder, producing more, then you're going to have to spend less. And when you spend less, you're spending less economically, meaning that the economy now has less spending from you and from, let's say, 10 other million people. So now this is where the cycle begins to go down because spending goes down. Now you're going to hear statistics like the housing market has dipped by 3%. Right. This month. Or so what they're looking is for indicators of spending. Again, remember that transactions are the building block of the economy. So when people aren't transacting, meaning they're not spending money, that's going to drive the economy either upward or downward. Mm -hmm. That cycle is going to switch. And ideally, you want people to continue to spend at a rate of increase every year by a little bit. But that's not what happens. <laughs> right. And, and, and this is where the problem begins, why we even have cycles. Because productivity, if we just spend based on productivity, then everything would be fine. It'd be a slow rise over time. But because credit was introduced and we can borrow way more, that increases and spikes up the, the spending. We get used to it. And then all of a sudden we have to start paying it. And mm-hmm. we start having to start paying it. Now the spending goes down, which then affects everything else. And the economy shows a downward cycle. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to talk about this because most people don't see these cycles because we're too close. Mm -hmm. We're in the middle of living out our daily lives. We watch the news and, hey, the stock market's up. Hey, the stock market's down. And there are little tiny fluctuations every day. So we don't always see the overall five to eight year cycle or especially we usually don't see the 75 to 100 year debt cycle. No. So, So as you're going through this, This is where it becomes extremely important for you and why we do getting money right on personal finances for you to manage your personal finances well, because there is an overall swing in the economy that comes every five to eight years. And there's this shift that comes where where credit is available. 
and and it's easy to get money mm-hmm. and the government has lowered interest rates because they want to make sure that people have access to credit right because as people spend on credit that's somebody else's income which increases their credit which increases somebody else's income which increases their credit which increases somebody else's income the government wants to see the economy grow 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 but if we are unwise as a country or if anything goes wrong whatsoever in my own personal ability to repay my debt, let's say I take on too much, then as I start to default, then that whole cycle shifts back. And yeah. I have lower spending, which removes my credit, which removes somebody else's spending and removes their credit and removes their spending and then their credit. And so the cycle shifts. So it's important that we look at this in our personal finances. Yeah, because it is very, very much tied to it. You cannot divorce the two and say, well, what I do personally doesn't really impact the economy. Yes, it does. When you borrow for a house with your current income, and let's say, and here's the bottom line. The biggest problem is not borrowing. Credit is not evil. It's not bad. What's bad is, we talked about this in the previous episode, is when people borrow too much or they buy things that depreciate faster than they can be paid down. So when I purchase something that depreciates and it's not creating the opportunity for somebody else to produce, or it's not increasing my own productivity, then, and there's some of that, that's okay. Some of it is just consumables. But if I consistently do that, it puts me in a position financially where I'm not going to be prepared for economic down cycle. And it's going to happen. Remember, everybody borrows, 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 because interest rates are low. And as soon as the economy begins to go down, meaning people are spending less money, they're cutting back because they promised to pay for their borrowing a little bit later. Well, later's come. Now they're having to pay, so they reduce their spending. As they reduce their spending, that has an impact across the economy. Mm-hmm. If you and 10 million people reduce spending because you're seeing things and you're like, okay, things are a little bit tight. I need to spend less on eating out. I have to spend less on this and less on that. And as you do that, that's going to impact the money that's flowing in the economy. You're pulling back. Therefore, the economy is going to pull back. So how do we fix this? I think the only way that we can be a positive force in the economy, and also, again, when I say this, I also talk about my own personal economy, my own well-being, financial well-being. So the only way to do that is to borrow responsibly and have enough margin. See, in seasons where people don't have money and the economy begins to drop down and they have to stop spending, okay, there are certain things you can stop spending on and certain things you can't. But if you have no margin and you lose your job and you have no savings, now you become a drain on the economy. Mm-hmm. You're not prepared to weather that storm, whether it's three months, six months, or a year. And this is where everything begins to cycle back and forth, back and forth. And this five to eight year cycle is because we borrow too much and then we have to pay for it. Yep. And so, and, and that has some significant consequences for us long term. Right, Because if I borrow too much and now I have to pay a ton of my income to interest, now my long-term, the 75 to 100-year thing is going Mm -hmm. to come into play because I can't be a productive person that's consistently growing wealth and I'm more prepared for those future cycles. Think of it this way. If you have half of Americans that were well-prepared financially, an economic down cycle comes, they're not going to stop spending. Yeah, They have margin. They're able to buy houses. They're able to buy cars. In fact, if anything, that's where you see investors and people that are well off financially take opportunities to buy things when they're going down, right? 
I bought a, a, my investment property when the market was down in 2012. It was still down in 2012. And I bought it, and the property's more than, it's gone up 230-some percent over the last eight years. It's incredible. But that's because I had the ability to do it. Yeah. Right? I learned to not spend everything I made like I used to in the past. And that positioned me to be able to take that opportunity. So if we had enough people that were managing money well, were not over leveraging themselves and had margin, you know, the four principles for operating and, uh, and having a purposeful uh, life that we talked about, right? You have to build margin. You have to prioritize. You have to spend on purpose. You have to uh, invest. If you do that, you're going to be a positive force, both in your personal economy, but also in the economy as a whole. This is why, Leo, you and I spend so much time talking about debt, personal debt, in mm -hmm. getting money right. We talk about understanding debt and borrowing in episode 15. We talked about dangerous debt in episode 35. We talked about the student loan debt crisis uh, in episode 78 through 80. Uh, we've done at least 20 different episodes yeah. on debt and dealing with that, even understanding bankruptcy. Because bankruptcy heavily impacts your personal finances, but mm. your bankruptcy then impacts your creditors, which then impacts their ability to set, to extend credit to others, which then affects the overall economy. Yeah. All of this is tied together. And, and I actually, I love, love, love the root causes that we talked about in episode 98 and 99, because if you can deal with your own personal root causes of going into debt or taking on too much debt and over leveraging yourself, if you can deal with those root causes, then you personally will be set up in a good financial position when the next recession comes so that you can take advantage of all the opportunities to invest. You'll spend on purpose, you'll save before you spend, That's you'll right. increase your margin, and then you'll invest wisely. So I hope that this has been really helpful as we're going through this economic series. I love talking about the economy and I love digging into how it affects our personal finances. I love learning even some of the simple terms from the transactions to the overall productivity growth of the economy, the use of credit. I'm enjoying this. I hope that you're enjoying it. I hope that you'll rate, review, and subscribe to this episode and then this series of episodes. Share this series with a friend. Uh, this is in the news all over the place right now. I think that this is something that a lot of people would enjoy listening and hearing more about how the overall economy works. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leo, if somebody wants to come spend a little bit more time with you and see what you're doing, where can they go? Yeah, they can go to leosabo.com. This is where they're going to find both this podcast, but also additional resources such as content like blogs and uh, articles that they can read that will help them with the practical ways of managing money. Uh, I like to, when I write, I like to write about the purpose of money, not just the basics of money. Good. I mean, there are some very practical things that that you can do. There's some tools on there that you can use, some videos that will show you how to use these tools. But really, it comes down to a mindset, beliefs. And like you said, that episode that we did about root causes of why we do what we do, understand money is just, it's a transaction, but it's more than that, right? It's the reason why we spend money, the emotions behind that, how it makes us feel. We don't always make the best decisions. So I like to write about that because I think success, uh, long-term success means that you're managing money so to such a degree that it's helping you to live a happy and fulfilled life. And that it takes intentionality. Uh, I also have a small course uh, on Teachable to help you to just understand the basics. Literally, it's about a 10-minute class just broken up to help you with the basics. So if you want to check that out, you can. 
But just know that all of this stuff is available to you. We offer it because we know it'll make a big difference in your life. And I hope you'll check it out. That's great. If you want to come spend some more time with me, check out stewardshippastors.com. This is a place where I help churches and pastors to share biblical truths around money and finances, possessions, what it means to be a good steward or a good manager, uh, both from a practical standpoint, but also from a spiritual standpoint Mm. uh, when it comes to money. And there's great courses on there that are free to access, uh, like personal courses. There's also great courses that you can take your whole church through if you're a part of a church and you can walk um, a class of 5, 10, 15, 20, 100 people through the class at a time. So check out stewardshippastors.com and the book Jesus on Money. And I just want to say thank you for joining us for this episode. Uh, We can't wait to spend more time with you, and we look forward to having you join us next time. So together, we we can can keep keep getting getting money money right. How do we fix this? I think the only way that we can be a positive force in the economy. And also, again, when I say this, I also talk about my own personal economy, my own well-being, financial well-being. So the only way to do that is to borrow responsibly and have enough margin.